Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What's up, Whoa, That's Good fam? Welcome back to the Whoa, That's Good podcast. Today is very exciting because, y'all, I'm actually really excited about this. I'm a huge fan. I actually kind of fangirl whenever I first met you. I don't know if you remember, but I was like, I love you. But we have on the podcast Jackie Hill Perry. She is a author, a poet, Bible teacher, artist. I'm pretty sure you're also like a rapper. Uh, you're a mom and a wife. You're pregnant. You, you do a lot of things, girl. Uh, so welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Sadie. Yeah, no, I really am excited. I came over to you um, when I met you at Jen Johnson's. Well, I'd already met you at Passion, I guess, seeing you from afar. But I was like, hi, um, I really want to preach like you. You preach with so much truth. I'm a big fan. And you're like, thanks. And I remember you told me, you're like, you do preach with truth. And that really meant so much to me. And um, because, you know, I think sometimes we see people that are different than us and we're like, oh, I want to be like you. And you just really set me in the way of like, hey, you're doing you. And that's great. And um, that really meant a lot. So so thank you. Yeah, man. I, I, I watched you from afar and I'm like, this girl, she she's faithful, you know, like mm-hmm. and it, it costs a lot to be faithful. And so I just always value that when I come across it. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. That's true. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about a few things. Um, Holier Than Thou is your new book. Have it right here. It looks worn in from the way it's designed, but it's actually worn in. I just finished it, and it is so, so good. We're also going to talk about your other book, Gay Girl, Good God, and Your Life. But first, before we get to anything else, I have to ask you the question of the Well That's Good podcast. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I guess what, what comes to mind is uh, my pastor, when I lived in Chicago, he was he always used to counsel me about leadership. And he used to say, Jackie, your your job as a leader is to die first. Mm. And uh, that's so uh, contrary to what we think leadership is, is yep. to, to be the loudest, to be the the first in things. But he's like, nah, the way Jesus led us is by dying. Mm. <laughs> so yep. that, that's been a real strike to my pride a lot of times when I think about it. Wow, that's so good. I remember, um, you know, Bianca Oltoff, she... Mm-hmm. Um, she told me one time, because she studied under Christine Kane, and one time I was like, what's the best advice that you ever learned from Christine? And she was like, well, the first day she said to me, she was like, um, 
my best advice to you is you have to die to yourself. And she was like, die to yourself, die to yourself, die to yourself. And then she said, and if you think you're dead, you're probably not because you're aware of the fact that you might be dead, which means that you're alive. So die. And I was like, that is so true. Die again. Die again. Yep. So that is such great advice. Um, Well, my followers and people um, are mostly in college and love a good love story. And I think you and Preston's story is so amazing. But I love how you say, like, before I met, Preston I met God before I really married Preston I married God so can you kind of tell us your journey of meeting God before you met Preston and then falling in love with him yeah I think what makes our story so unique is that both of us come from backgrounds with uh, just some a level of sexual brokenness um, me dealing with uh, pornography uh, used from the age of what 7 to 19 same mm-hmm. with him uh, sexual abuse uh, him was just promiscuity um, as a means of, you know, attention and identity. And uh, and then I had uh, same-sex attractions and just all the things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I came to faith when I was 19 um, because I, through the power of the spirit, realized that God really was better than everything that I was leaving him for. Yeah. Um, and so when we met, I was a Christian at that point, maybe six months And I was really uninterested in relationships and definitely uninterested in relationships with men. Um, (laughs) So we just kind of had this friendship and it was like a legit friendship where I would give him advice about the relationships he was in. Or if I saw certain girls that I would like, yeah, I don't know if she's that holy. (laughs) And I was just that person. And, but, but on our separate sides, we just started to get, um, I guess this attraction to each other that we didn't know what to do with. And so I prayed and I said, God, um, if it's your will for us to be friends, give me the self-control to treat him like a brother and not a crush. Uh, But if it's your will for us to be together, then put it on his heart to pursue me. I didn't know that at the same time, Preston had been fasting for God to show him who his wife was. So at the same time that I'm praying, he's praying too. And so we just, we ended up having a conversation and here we are married seven years later with three kids and one on the way. Come on. That is so cool. I love it. (laughs) I love that y'all both like intentionally sought out prayer. And I know you wrote about that in your book that, you know, you really ask God like, hey, if this is not it, then take it away. And I think that a lot of people are scared to pray prayers like that when it comes to Mm -hmm. who they're going to be with, because they're scared that God will say no. And what if they they want him to say yes? But I love how you were at the point in your life where you were like, if it's a no, like I will obey. And it was a yes. And so I think that's really cool. God's no is a really wise no, especially Mm -hmm. when you're thinking about marrying somebody for the rest of your life. Yep. That yep. that's like a legit serious situation. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I need to make sure that this is God's will. For real. That's so good. I love that. Um, I was listening to, I was going way back. Like I said, before we got on, I read both of your books and also listened to so many of your things on YouTube. And I love your poetry. It's so amazing. Yeah. And whenever you and Preston did the one on the fall, it was yeah. so good. How did you even get into poetry in the first place? Yeah, it's honestly real random. Um, so when I became a Christian, I, I decided to go to this community college and I was just really bored. Um, <laughs> I'm studious, but I don't like school. <laughs> hey, I get sense. that. I'm the same way. Like I'll study all day long for a podcast. But when I was in school, I struggled. Hated it. 
Hate yeah. it. So I'm in seminary now, but I realize it's like I'm studying what I want to study. Yes. I'm not studying what y'all are telling me to study. Yep. Um, and so I was in the class. I was in this English class, and I was just so I was just so bored. <laughs> and I had this 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 urge to write something deep and spiritual. And literally in my mind, I was like, okay deep people write poems so let me write a poem <laughs> so it wasn't That's the thing awesome. so i just i wrote a poem i put it on facebook my pastor saw it then he wanted me to start doing poems at church i had no idea that it would become what it's become become now you know yeah. um and then eventually i got connected to a ministry in la that wanted me to write a, a a poem about my story and that poem was the poem that started my public ministry wow so, that's so yeah. cool i love when you look back at the timeline of your life and you're like I actually don't know how this happened other than God or even just a thought that was like deep people write poems like and then it led you to what you're doing now. It's, it sounds stupid and random, but it's like, no, that was Providence. Well, it's really cool because like <laughs> I read this book and it is it's very deep. It's like, I mean, you quote like all of these greats in the book and it, and you're right there dead saying people. yeah, dead people, but you're alive and you're saying things with that much wisdom. And it's like so cool. But I think one thing that people think when they read books like this or people, they're like, oh, you must have been a Christian your whole life. Like, you know, the word mm. so much. You must have had parents that poured into you and with the word. And like when you read your story, you didn't really. And so how right. did you learn the word the way that you do and even learn to teach the word the way that you do discipleship mm. truly um when i was a christian for maybe a year i moved to la and i moved in with because uh, i moved to la to go to a particular church and the head of the women's ministry is who i moved in with and she discipled me for two years and yeah. it's a different kind of discipleship when you live with the person yeah that's <laughs> you true. know like she 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 didn't have cable Wow. All the only movies that she had had were like Christian movies or apologetic like seminars. Wow. And then every single day she gave me assignments. And when she would come home from work and she was a single woman, so she had margin for all yeah. of that. Right. Uh, she would come home from work and she would challenge me. And one of the first assignments she gave me is she said, I want you to go through the book of John and each sentence I want you to write your observations. And it wow. took six months. Wow. Right. And so I think that's for real. From the beginning. Yeah. From the beginning, it was like, oh, the Bible really does matter in my spiritual life. And so I think having that foundation has just carried me where yes. I, I don't see the Bible as a as a as a as a box I check off. Hmm. I see it as a means to understand the person of God. It's so period. good. That's so good. I love that. I love you even wrote a part in the book how like it's not just reading the word that makes you holy. Um, and you even talk about how the Pharisees, like they read the word more than anyone. And you would think that that would make them more holy. But in fact, it didn't. Right. But, like, so what is the difference in that? Like for you, like you read the word a lot, but you found the beauty of God as opposed to the Pharisees who read the word a lot, a lot but didn't. What do you think like the difference is between the two? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. You have to believe it. Yeah. Because that was the that was the difference is that they consumed the Torah. It was mm-hmm. it was a discipline. That they, they knew it back and forth. Even demons, devils, mm-hmm. they know scripture. Yeah. <laughs> like uh Satan in Luke four, uh, when he was tempting Jesus, he quoted a psalm. Mm. The difference isn't their their ability to ingest the passages mm-hmm. is that they don't believe what they read. Yeah. And I think that's our tension is that we think quoting it and putting it as an Instagram, Instagram caption is doing the work, yeah. but the work is saying, okay, God, this is what you said about yourself in mm-hmm. your word. This is what you said about the world. This is what you said about my heart. Now give me the power to trust that this is true. Yeah. And that's what changes our lives is yeah. when what we read uh, becomes what we also believe. Yeah, that's good. Come on. Love it. Um, so you actually just touched on social media and I just wrote a book that's not out yet called Who Are You Following? And it's a lot about social media, but you started talking about social media and this as one of our idols. But I love how at the end of it, and it, it was so perfect in the book because it was actually a page turn because I was like, yes, yes, yes. Then you hit me with like a whoa when you were like, it's actually <laughs> just a mm-hmm. cover up that social media is their idol. We are actually our own idol. So right. unpack that a little bit because that was really good. Yeah. So I think in a really philosophical way, I think social media has given us a way to experience God likeness, mm-hmm. meaning the fact that you have the access into the lives of people that you do not know and that you don't even have to ask for permission gives you a kind of sense of omniscience mm-hmm. that I, I, I know more things that I would otherwise know of social media or wouldn't otherwise know if social media didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to travel. Yeah. You're able to be in, in Sadie's home. You're able to be in Africa. You're able to be at the MTV Awards. And, and so it's an omnipresence kind of feeling. And mm-hmm. I think that's the attraction. And it's not to say that social media is bad. Social media is very useful for the kingdom, but that I think our addictions to it expose that there's some type of pleasure we get out of Mm -hmm. this, especially when it comes to our, the amount of likes we get or the follows or the comments, there's dopamine (laughs) being shot in our brain where it feels like a high Mm -hmm. because we're getting approval. Right. And so I, I think at the end of the day, at, on the surface, it is social media, but I think at the root, the idol is us, yep. is that we like to feel central. Yep. We like to have power. We like to be praised. And that's why we want to shut down our social media as soon as we get six criticisms. <laughs> that's because the we truth. Can't, we can't handle it. That's the truth. Wow, that was so good. I was like, there's so many parts in the book that I literally wrote all caps, preach. I was like, and then there's one part I said, sheesh. I mean, it was getting me out. Seriously, it was like, I'm getting saved again. It was awesome. <laughs> one thing you do talk a lot about, and I think both books, and it's really cool because if you read Gay Girl, Good God, and then you read Holier Than Thou, it's really cool because in Gay Girl, Good God, you talk so much about your story, your testimony, what you went through 
And then this is almost like the answers that you found. It's like, Mm. this is why I am the way that I am because I've just behold the beauty of God. This is how Mm. you become new. But you talk a lot in both books about idols. Um, And it's so silly because when you write it, it's like, well, duh, why would we choose a golden calf? Why would we choose something that we know is not right? But why why do you think that we choose idols instead of God when it seems so obvious whenever you read the words? I think many reasons. One is I think it's easier to trust in a created thing than it is to trust an invisible God. So if we take Exodus 32, for example, when they create the golden calf, what preceded them creating the golden calf is that they said, hey, we don't know where Moses is. We don't know what's happened to him. So let's create a God that will go before us. Mm. Somehow in them not being able to see Moses, who was a represent a representative of Yahweh for them in many ways, it made them feel as if, OK, God isn't with us anymore. We can't see him. We, we don't know where he is. Mm-hmm. So so we need something tangible, something we can see that we can put our trust in to lead us and guide us. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same. It's easier to trust a man to make me whole Mm. than it is to trust an invisible God to make me comfortable, to give me comfort. Like, cause it feels weird. It's like, you're not tangible, but then you're telling me you're the, you're the source of all comfort. And so I have to trust Mm. that somehow through some other means you will comfort me. Um, but I also think another reason is that, um, our idols are convenient when God often isn't, Yeah, you know, Um, it's, it's, it's kind of like with witchcraft, like (laughs) witchcraft allows us to experience things that God may have said that he's going to give us, but we can get it quicker Hmm. by evil means. Hmm. And so it's like, instead of waiting on God for marriage, Mm -hmm. we rather just be with the boyfriend and have sex. I don't, I, that's not convenient for yeah. me to to lay my body down as a living sacrifice, holy mm-hmm. and acceptable unto God. And so it all hinges on faith. Yeah. At the end of the day, is that it is so much easier to trust in everybody else than it is to trust God. So good. And that's what that's the that's the root of our idolatry. Come on, that's right. I mean, you really just nail it. It's so good. Um, whenever you were talking about your own um, struggle with homosexuality and just laying that down and everything, I love how you said, I actually, I listened to Gay Girl Good God on audiobooks, which nice. I highly recommend because you reading it is so powerful and it's very poetic. But whenever you said Jesus did not endure because he was strong, he endured because he loved God. Uh, mm. I literally rewinded and made Christian come listen. I was like, this is so good. Um, and I feel like that was almost like a that was like almost a forward to this book. It was like that, that's what this is all about. What did, like, what was that moment in your life when you realized that like, it's not about like not doing this, this and this, but it's actually about just like when I love God, when I know that God is holy, that's what changes Mm me. I think maybe that's a great question. I think maybe the transition happened after I, I was in a really, um, toxic church environment for Mm. a couple years when I was a new Christian and it was all about works. Mm. It it was just, you have to make sure you evangelize every day. Like every person you meet, you have to give them the gospel. And if you don't give them the gospel, then you're fearful and you're a coward. That means you're in sin and you need to repent. (laughs) And that's kind of hard for somebody like me who's introverted. Right. And so I'm feeling like I'm being a coward when I'm really just being myself. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like they didn't say, Oh, maybe you're gifted to give the gospel through books or through music or through art. Like, it's like, I have this 
do be a street preacher or if you didn't read the Bible for a certain amount of time or if you were on Facebook for too long. It was just works, 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 mm. works until I stumbled on a verse in Jude. It's the doxology where Jude says now to him who was able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless and blameless before his glorious, glorious presence with great joy. Wow. And that was the first time I saw in the scripture, I said, wait, hmm. wait, me being kept and me being presented blameless, like is on God. It's not as if I'm, I'm a passive participant, right? Hmm. But it's like all of the glory at the end of the day, when I stand before God, will be on God. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I think that set me free wow. to be like, oh man, I could just trust him and be with him and he's going to finish the work in me that he started. Yeah. And so I don't know. I guess that's wow. where it started. That's really cool. Yeah. I love that yeah. like you were reading Jude and I know that you, you've written a Bible study on that and that's yeah. just really cool in and of itself. But I think that just speaks to people about if you get in the word of God, it's active and alive. And when you read the word, something so like a verse that may not have spoken to anyone else that day spoke to you. It's like God just yeah. enlightened your eyes to see it and changed your life. It, it led yeah. you to where you are now. And so I think that's a really cool uh, thing to know that, you know, it really is active and alive. You really can read, pick up your Bible one day and it can change your life. Um, yeah. So I know that whenever I've written books or whatever, done anything like the message really impacts my life. Like it had to impact my life, you know, in some way for me to want to write or even yeah. have the ability to write so many words. And of course, it's the Holy Spirit doing a work in you. In this book, you really didn't talk a lot about yourself. You really just talked about God, which I think was really, really cool because you're talking about the holiness of God. Um, Was that an intentional thing to not really put yourself in it? And how did it impact you along the way? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Writing it. Yeah, even in my preaching, um, I I don't use illustrations about me often mm. or my family. And I don't think it's a, a problem to do it. I think it's a way of guarding myself, Hmm. you know, from I I think when you're in a space, a Christian celebrity space, especially you are so easily praised Mm -hmm. that part of me, part of me has kind of been become more intentional of how can I keep people from putting me on a pedestal that I don't belong to stand on, Mm. you know, like that I don't deserve that. And so part of it is just me guarding myself and guarding my audience Mm -hmm. uh, from being more impressed with me than they are God. Wow. And uh, yeah, and especially a book about holiness is just like, I want this book to last and be impactful when Jackie is dead and gone, like Mm -hmm. the likes of C.S. Lewis or uh, A.W. Tozer or uh, just all the ancient, voices like mm-hmm. I don't know they they left us something that's beautiful because they left us more of God than themselves yep that's so good yeah. well you did it you did a great job doing that because this book yeah. definitely will live on um 
this is maybe a hard question, and I wasn't really even thinking about asking this. So you I like can hard questions. Okay, good. Because, I mean, you can <laughs> always just say, I don't want to answer that. And I'd be like, cool, yeah. moving on. Um, yeah. But I feel like whenever I read Gay Girl, Good God, it gave me, like, a lot of, I don't know, it just made me have more understanding um, from the homosexual like lifestyle and where you were coming from and what led you to even be in the relationships that you were in. And you also talk about like how Christians treated you, how they like they saw you as maybe your sin instead of who you really were. In that yeah. time, like and even reflecting back and who you are now, like what would you tell the church on how we can do better about that topic and treating people who are in a homosexual lifestyle? Because I feel like that's a really interesting uh, topic conversation and coming from you who's actually walked through it, I'd just love to hear your perspective. It's so hard um, because the Christian church, and I would be, I want to be specific in saying a lot of people who have been the most outlandish and outrageous and quite frankly sinful Mm. towards the LBGTQ community. I don't even think many of them are actually Christian. Mm. You know, I think they they profess it, but they don't necessarily have the works that prove it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we got wheat and tares in the church. But I I do think that Christians have not led the way in terms of kindness and empathy uh, and understanding Mm. in this conversation. I think the hard part, though, is is that even our definitions of kindness and compassion are becoming misconstrued where to tell the truth about uh, Romans 1 or 1 Corinthians 6 is not looked at as compassionate Mm. anymore. So it's, it's becoming hard to discern what kindness actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I Truly. but I think my my counsel will be one, we need the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right? Because kindness is a fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Gentleness is a fruit of the spirit. Self control, meaning you don't gotta say everything that comes to your mind is a fruit of the spirit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, I think we do it so wrong so many times because we're doing this stuff in the flesh. That's right. And, and not in the spirit. Um, I think another thing is information, like reading books listening to people, asking questions. What is, even in the trans conversation, if someone asks you, what does it mean to be a man? Mm -hmm. Do you know? Mm -hmm. Can you answer that question? Mm -hmm. Apart from cultural stereotypes about what manhood is. Will you say, oh, well, a man is to be, uh, they ride trucks. Really? Mm -hmm. That's what manhood is to you? Mm -hmm. Is that what God was saying when he made Adam? That you're a man because you drive a truck? You get what I'm saying? Like, I don't think we're educated enough And so we're unable to even engage in these conversations in a way that's informative, but also spirit led. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. I don't even know if that answers your question. It does. And one thing that really stuck with me, as you said, I was taught more about sin than about joy. Like I was met more. And I was like, uh, yeah, that's a real problem. Um, That's true. And so I forgot I put that there. Yeah. No, you said so. I'm telling you, (laughs) I have like. This is like the back of this book is notes that I took. The My notes on my phone are full. I didn't even know what to ask you today because I'm like, I just, this is just so good. And I just feel like you you say so many things that people need to hear with truth and with love. And um, you actually talk about that a lot in your book about love. And I, I love how you said um, 
one thing that you said is how we make love God and not God love, which God is love, but we make love our God. I mean, you just had so much good stuff. And one thing that you talked about that I really want you to expand on more is, or even tell people about, is you talked about how we like to cling to the attribute of God that is love, but not the other attributes Mm. of God. And that Mm -hmm. was really true. And I think that that kind of plays a part in how we do things sometimes is like, if it's love, then it can't be, you know, offensive or whatever it is. And so what do you think that lesson in and of itself can teach people? You're really good at this. (laughs) Um, Super thoughtful questions. Um, Yeah, I I was reading this book. I don't even remember the title of it. It's, It's cited in Holier Than Now, but he was saying that we are prone to like esteem the attributes of God that we most relate to. Mm. So we don't relate to God's eternality, mm-hmm. right? The fact that he there with him, there is no beginning. There is no end with us. There is a beginning. And so we don't relate to that. That's why we, mm-hmm. we're not like, yeah, God is eternal. Yeah. Like we just, we don't, we don't even tattoo that on our arms or nothing. <laughs> um, and so when it comes to love, if we do hear that God is love, we don't allow God's nature to define love we instead take our experiences of love and then project that onto how God should be. Mm. And that's a part of the problem is that if God is love, that means that God also defines it. Not even necessarily in terms of what he said, but what he's done. Mm. Well, how do we know what love is? The gospel. Mm. God loved us so much that he sent his son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. Uh, What greater love is it that a man laid down his life for his his son, right? And so love is not this sentimental, self-centered, arrogant, I can do whatever I want kind of ethic. Love is completely servant hearted underneath the Lordship of Christ. That's love. Come on. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for people to listen to this. I really am. (laughs) It's so good. What do you hope people take away when they read Holier Than Thou? I mean, I think that there's so much, but if you could put it in a nutshell. Yeah. Holiness is intimidating, Mm -hmm. Um, especially depending on how it's been presented to you. If holiness has always been, you know, God is holy and you ain't, so you're going to hell. Nobody wants to read books that sound like that. That's right. No, (laughs) no. It's just not, I want to read the books of our love, if that's the case. And so one, I want to widen our understanding of holiness, which is to say, man, if God is holy, that means he is always good. Yeah. If God is holy, that means he cannot sin. Mm. If God cannot sin, that means he cannot sin against you. Mm -hmm. If God cannot sin against you, then that makes him the most trustworthy being there is. Mm. And I think when you frame it that way, then you see, oh, holiness is something worth worshiping about. Yeah. Because imagine if God wasn't holy, Mm. what would he be like? Wow. He would be like the devil. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That would be a scary thing to have an eternal sovereign God that is satanic in his ways. That would be terrifying. It'd be terrifying. It'd be be, terrifying. It would be be hell. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But in all actuality, we have a God that is just good all the time and all the time he's good. So that's what I want people to walk away with. It's Mm -hmm. just a bigger understanding of God that affects how they live their life. That's That's so great. I love it. You know, I'll be honest. This book actually even intimidated me because holiness is intimidating. Like just even the word, it it seems like. I think what it seems like is maybe this other attributes of God. It seems like it's going to go over your head. It's like, yeah. I don't really understand that completely. And when people explain yeah. it, sometimes it does go over your head. But you did it in such a beautiful way that's relatable, but also draws you deeper. And I think people are going to be super, super impacted by that. And ultimately, 
I think the biggest thing in what you talk about and so much of both of your books is that if we just knew the character of God, if we just actually focus on the beauty of God and the glory of God and the goodness of God and just who God is, then our life would really fall more into place. And if we if we didn't like if we started to focus on that and not focus on the what we can do, what we can't do, what we shouldn't do, what we should be, right. what we're not, all the different things. Um, and I love that quote. It was at the end of your book, you said, we don't need more books that tell us what we shouldn't be doing. We need more books on the beauty of God. And I was like, come yes. on. It's so good. That's it. That's it. That's right it. there. It's it. Well, I mean, I really could talk to you all day, but I guess we'll stop there because I feel like people are already going to be getting so much um, truth spoken to them. And I hope that if anything, I mean, I could quote your whole book, but I hope that I don't do that here <laughs> and people go actually buy Holier Than Thou, go read Gay Girl or Good God or listen to an audio because that was really awesome. And yeah. just dive into things that Jackie said because your ministry is very impactful. And you just, like you said, you don't point people to you, you point people to God. And that is why lives are changed when they listen. So. So thank you for who you are and all that you do. And um, I can't even believe you're doing all this and you're pregnant. So hello. That's awesome. You you did it. I know. Y'all over here. I, we I saw it. you the other day. I said, she going to amusement parks <laughs> and all this stuff with new babies. <laughs> oh you a gosh. real one. Hey, that was a real one. I'm going to tell you, I needed the spirit on that one. That was crazy. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 courageous. That was truly. courageous for real. No, yeah. but thank you, Jackie. You you're awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you. It was good to talk to you.